Hello and welcome back to Top 5 Disco. I'm Josh. I'm Adam. And today we are going to continue our now annual tradition of covering our favorite music of the year. Something I hope to do every year until we die. Uh, today we're actually recording in our childhood home, house-sitting for our old puppy. So if you hear any color commentary from the side, some barking, you know uh, who that is. If you're new to the podcast, typically my brother Adam and I here will pick an artist to deep dive and we'll record an entire series on that artist, breaking down their entire discography, album by album, song by song, ranking our top five songs per album, and discussing each song and album in depth. Today, instead of a breakdown of a particular artist, we're going to do a little retrospective of our 2019 year in music before coming out with our next artist series. So today, we're going to break it up into three episodes. We're going to rank and discuss each of our top five favorite concerts of 2019, top five favorite songs of 2019, and top five favorite albums of 2019. So our our musical retrospective of the year. And the top five favorite songs are going to be songs off of albums that we did not include on our top five albums of the year. Year. Exactly. Again, just so that we can showcase some other music that we were really loving. Exactly. Sometimes some of our favorite songs are not on the best albums of the year, our favorite albums, so we still right. want to give them some credit. So before we go into our lists, uh, I just have a, a quick, uh, you know, first, Adam, like, what did you think of music in 2019? Or what was your music life like in 2019, concerts-wise, music-wise, overall? So, hmm, I remember last retrospective series that we did i believe i had only listened to 17 albums whereas you listened to like 75 or 100 i don't remember what the number was uh this time around i added six more everybody (laughs) so 23 albums that came out in 2019 that i listened to but then again of course uh you know we had our series on weezer and so there was a lot of listening that i did of, of weezer you know i got very into wilco's discography this year so there was a lot of that again my listening to it's very hard for me to listen to a bunch of things at once so you know what i'm proud of those six albums so anyway to answer your question (laughs) what did i think of music this year i mean for the most part i was extremely pleased with what i listened to there were definitely a handful of albums that were disappointments from bands that i was really looking forward to yeah we can talk about those (laughs) um and show-wise, I saw some of the best shows I think I've ever seen this year. Oh, Bands that I have had on my list forever that I've been wanting to see. Artists that I've been wanting to see. Um, so live show-wise, definitely, um, it was very exciting. And we're going to talk about that soon. What yeah. about you? Yeah, so this year, I don't know. I feel like every year, around the halfway point, I'm kind of like, this year's not that good for music. And I kind of <laughs> I get worried about you know year-end lists or just worried that like, what, why am I not, re- why are these albums not resonating with me? Yeah. Especially this year, it felt like I had so many songs I loved, but not a ton of albums that I loved. And honestly, I kind of still feel that way. These top five that I will eventually list, yep. I love. Yeah. And I have a handful of honorable mentions. But overall, this year didn't have the most consistent album listens for me. Yeah, um, I feel that. And actually, this year, I also, more than any other year, I'm usually pretty on top of new music that comes out. I love I love uh, hearing the new stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, as you said earlier, I usually listen to between 75 and 120 <laughs> albums of the year. This year... Very specific number. <laughs> yeah, this year, uh, it started off way smaller. And that's because I was, got really into older discographies this year. Right. In and outside the podcast. Like, I got really into Tori Amos, thanks mm-hmm. to our friend Ari, Elvis Costello, the B-52s, Third Eye Blind, Jimmy E. World, thanks Thanks to Andy and Juliet. The Cure, thanks to my friend Sean. And Bruce Springsteen, thanks to my friend Tom. So I got into these big artist discographies that had nothing to do with new music. But I mean, for in that way, 
it was such an exciting year for me because in addition to hearing all this new music, I was falling in love with these older artist discographies. But again, that was all the preface to say that you know, now we're recording this in December and I love all this music we're about to talk about. Yeah. Like so many great, I mean, as we're discussing or, or briefly talking about, we're trying not to reveal too much of our lists and our our rankings, but I'm so giddy and I want to keep wanting to tell out like, I, there's so much good music I want to talk about. There's so much good music <laughs> I want to talk about uh, today and you'll hear over the next three episodes. So yeah, it's been just like every year. It's a great year for music. Mm-hmm. I-, I love this year. Um, I know. And you keep saying to me, isn't it amazing? Again, we were just in the car yesterday driving back to Connecticut. And you were like, isn't it amazing that every year there's so yeah. much of this new, unique, good music being put out into the world? And you know what? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that and that will never for hours stop. And dissect. Yeah, I-, I love it. I'm, I'm so excited. It's It's infinite. Yes. Okay, let's first talk about our top five concerts of 2019. Adam, how many shows did you see this year? So show-wise, I believe it was around 33, awesome. but some of those shows had multiple bands right, playing. Right, right. And, and not just like opener openers, like... Oh, like uh, mini festival kind of yeah, things? Yeah, I mean, w- yeah, we'll talk about it. But basically, yeah, around 33, but more bands that I saw. Yeah. So this year was my record. I saw fifty-six concerts that as is of today, which is which is insane. I, I recognize this. So this is amazing. the top five cream of the crop. Yeah, um, I'm excited to talk about these. We are lucky enough to live close to each other, so actually, a bunch of these shows, not necessarily our top fives, but a bunch of these shows we saw together. So I'm yes. interested to see your list. Sure, I'm excited to see which of these shows we saw together Definitely. and how we felt about them, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so why don't you start? Top okay, five. so. My number five favorite live show of 2019 was Hayden Thorpe at oh National God. Sawdust oh, awesome. on November 5th. Incredible. Okay, my number five pick was seeing Black Midi at the South by Southwest Music Festival uh, on March 12th. Nice, this year. very nice. I forgot that was this year that you saw them. Uh, my number four concert of 2019 was seeing Regina Spector at the Luntfontaine Theater oh on June God. 26th. I forgot you saw that. Yes, that Regina Spector on Broadway. My number four pick was seeing Sarah Bareilles at the Met in Philadelphia this November, just last month. Nice. Yeah, yeah. that's. I'm interested to talk about yes, that one because yes. I know you saw her earlier and wasn't as great. Exactly. Uh, my number three concert of the year was seeing Joanna Newsom at the Teatro del Museo del Barrio on <laughs> September <laughs> nice 9th. <laughs> nice. My number three pick was seeing Idols. I'm going to cheat a little bit, and I saw Idols twice this year, so Brooklyn Steel in May 10th, on May 10th, and Terminal 5 uh, this October Okay, well. That's okay, because I guess I'm cheating a little bit here uh, as here well, we go. because my number two show slash shows of 2019 um, was seeing With You Both Nights in a Row, Woo! Wilco, at Radio City Music Hall and Brooklyn Steel awesome. on October 12th and 13th. Oh, that's exciting. My number two pick is seeing Joanna Newsom at Ooh, El Museo del yes. Barrio. That's September awesome. 9th. That oh, was that's, incredible. That's great. Yeah. Uh, and my number one live show of the year was seeing Bonnie Vare next to you at Red Rocks Amphitheater in Colorado. <gasps> oh, I know. That just yeah. got chills yeah. thinking about it on September 3rd. Amazing. My number one pick for my favorite concert of the year was seeing Stephen Page Trio at the Tabernacle in Mount Tabor, New Jersey (laughs) early this November. I'm saying, oh no, because I had tickets to that show and was not able to go. And I forget why. To tell you uh, about this show. (laughs) Man, okay. Okay, so let's start off with my number five top live show of the year, Hayden Thorpe at National Sawdust. 
So this was a show. I'm so happy you put this yes, on your list. This was a show oh, that you had told me. I don't know how many weeks in advance you were just like, I got tickets to this show. I knew who he was because even in our last uh, retrospective uh, podcast, you were talking about the last ever Wild Beasts show in general, and you saw that show it was one of your top shows of the year. And Hayden Thorpe is the lead singer, was the lead singer of Wild Beasts. So I had known about him. I again know like one or two Wild Beast songs, and you were just like he put out uh, a solo album this year. I got tickets to his show at National Sawdust. I'd never been to National Sawdust, and, and you and you're kind of lived near there, so yeah. And you were just like, you should go to this. I didn't have anything that night. And honestly, I love going to shows with you. I like checking out new music. So I was like, sure, let's go. Invited my friend and roommate Jackson to come along with me. So obviously, so glad I did. Never been to National Sawdust before, Neither like I said. I. So cool. And it's so intimate. So intimate. I had no idea what it was going to be like. Um, I don't know how many people were there, like 20, 25? It was very under... Sold. Sold, which yeah. made me sad. I yeah. mean, I, I've said this to you before. Even when my Wild Beasts came to New York years ago, maybe 2016, they played Babies All Right, and there were, it wasn't even sold out. And I was like, what is going on here? I cannot believe they played Babies All Right. Yes. That is such a and small, when I saw intimate them venue. And their I last mean, show in London, it was national. like at the Eventum Apollo. Thousands yeah. of people. It was crazy. That they just do crazy. not have, Wild Beasts do not have the the clout or popularity that they in do the in the UK. Yeah. They don't have it here in the US. Yeah, right. it's crazy. Um, yeah, so this show, I remember, you know, the day of we were talking about when should we get there and whatnot, and you called up and you had asked, like, is there an opener and whatnot? And they said, well, he's going to be doing a sound bath. <laughs> and we were like, I don't know what that is, but okay. So we got there. The sound bath, if there was one, was just like two minutes of Hayden just kind of diddling something on the piano, and then he went into his set. So it was very, I don't know, it was strange. Anyway... He also had this headband that Which was... Which I thought was a stylistic choice at first. Yeah. I didn't know what was going on. He wore this weird futuristic looking headband that when was, he walked out. That was linked up to these lights that were strewn all over the floor. It was basically just Hayden, because the entire album is just Hayden and a piano and some production and whatnot. So, of course, at the live show, it was just him sitting at the piano. He had a pad next to him that he was using to trigger some samples and whatnot. Um, and aside from that, there were light bulbs strewn all over the floor, connected to some machine that some woman was kind of... They were reading his brain waves. Yeah. It wasn't his piano. It was like right. the, the lights would swell when he would have more intensity and emotion or when he was thinking about something really I guess, powerfully during the song. And I remember talking about it with you after. I was like, there were some moments where it seemed sometimes too good to be true. Yeah. Like, was she just kind of <laughs> triggering that? I don't know. And then there were some that didn't make any sense. Right. But anyway, it added this cool kind of ethereal Yeah, I've never seen anything like that show. before. It was a cool idea. Yeah. But the show itself, again... National Sawdust, I urge everyone to go there, especially, I mean, I don't know, I'm, I don't even know if they have, like, big bands. It must be something where they have very intimate shows, because it was so, I mean, we were right up there, yeah. right up close, and his music, his solo music, the sound is perfect for that. It was perfectly intimate. 
Um, yeah, he, I think he played every single song off of his album. I believe he played a Leonard Cohen oh my cover. God, yes. What was that song? Uh, oh my God, it was called No Way to Say Goodbye. The one that sounds like Suzanne, but isn't yeah, Suzanne. Exactly. <laughs> it's called Hey, That's No Way to Say Goodbye. It's Got a it. gorgeous uh, sort of long distance song. Yeah. Like breakup song. Um, his rendition of the song In My Name gave me absolute chills. It was perfect. And that song is amazing to me. And yeah, I, I don't, and he perfect, like was, Again, it was a one-man band, literally. Yeah, and he and was doing such a good job triggering all those little without production sounding things. patronizing. I was so proud of him. Like he, this was his first ticketed show ever. Like he had played little shows where he was wow. promoting the album. This was his first show that we got to see. He nailed it, and he nailed it. Yeah. These songs. I mean, we may talk about it later. These songs are incredible, and seeing them live, him playing these 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 beautiful piano yes. uh, focused songs and his voice is so oh, unique God. yes i know such a strange falsetto-y warbly but it's so gorgeous i so had much no control. idea what he looked like by the <laughs> way like until a day or two before i saw that show yeah um so it was interesting to to pair the face with <laughs> with the voice but yeah incredibly moving performance um i know that you and jackson as well um were saying you know you were slightly disappointed that he didn't play any wild beast stuff i did actually read him say that he's not planning on um, playing any Wild Beast things. Yeah. I, I, didn't, I don't remember the exact quote, but he was mentioning, you know, the beautiful thing about recorded music is that it'll always be there for anyone who wants that, obviously. But he was like, for me, playing those songs, I think the word he used was nourishing. It wouldn't be nourishing, mm. whatever that means to him as a performer. It's so, looking backwards. He's trying to look yeah. forwards. He stepped out a year later and put out this record, which is a great record. And it, it's and, easy for me to say because I don't know a lot of Wild Beast stuff and I know his record from this year, but you know what? He's got some great shit so I've, I've said to you before there's this uh mixed feeling i have when i see artists who have a long history discography which is i i'm so proud of them and respect them when they really focus in on their new material yeah. they clearly love it and for and sure feel confident about it um other, otherwise you know other times i want to hear some of the back catalog but for yeah. this for his first solo show to to completely stand on its own with just his new stuff and a, a few covers it was really something special definitely Okay, next we're going to talk about my number five favorite concert of the year, seeing Black Midi at the South by Southwest Music Festival in Austin, Texas. So almost every year for the past six or seven years or so, I make my annual March pilgrimage down to Austin, Texas to visit my friend Aaron and to attend the South by Southwest Music Festival which is like a hotbed for new music, new band discovery. Oh the amount of bands you have told me it's about. It's insane. Seeing it's, them there for the first time. Oh yeah, I've discovered so much. The entire city of Austin basically becomes one giant music festival where every single little venue, bar, restaurant, store, outdoor area, it becomes an all-day, all-night showcase for bands from around the country and around the world. Usually smaller, independent, many of them are unknown or unsigned. It's, it's so exciting. It's the kind of festival you go to when you're more interested in discovering Discovering artists you've never heard of right. and sort of randomly walking into things rather than a show that you're sort of curating your own lineup. Or yeah. This year, I discovered so many cool bands at the festival. Among them, Amel and the Sniffers, which is an amazing what? Australian <laughs> hardcore punk band. Amel? 
uh, Emil, I don't know. It's <laughs> it's some drug reference. Uh, Balin, uh, a band that my friend Alex uh, introduced me to, saw them at South by Southwest. Mm-hmm. Fontaine's DC, I discovered there. Oh, Incredible, I didn't know that. Uh, Irish punk band. White Denim, who actually have been around for a while. They're like an Austin band, but I that was like the, my first time seeing White them White Denim, Black Midi? <laughs> exactly, something like that. So it said, yes. So the best discovery of all this year was Black Midi. We weren't even supposed to see Black Midi. I know I said, you know, we sort of discover things, but we, we there were some artists there like, oh, you, you want to hear them? Check them out. Go yeah. to this showcase for that. We went to this rock punk uh, showcase at Hotel Vegas waiting to see Yonatan Gott, who's this crazy, amazing Israeli guitar player who used to be in this garage band, Monotonix. Hmm. Um, during Yonatan's time slot, all of a sudden, these very young guys, they looked like kids. They had like X's on their hands, yep. got on stage, and we're kind of like, what? what? That's not <laughs> Yonatan Gott. My friends and I were kind of disappointed and confused. And we didn't know what was going on. Um, and we decided, okay, well, maybe we'll just get a beer, go get food, what have you. And then the band started playing. Within the first few notes, and once the drummer started playing, I know my jaw was on the fucking floor, and it never left the show. This, it was insane. This band is in frenetic, frantic, angular, jazzy, mathy. It's like this avant-garde art punk. I don't even know how to describe their music. It's like metal, jazz punk post punk yeah avant-garde. it's crazy the, a lot, lot of instrumentals yes uh, do you know that i saw the, i saw them at, yes, at warsaw, at warsaw so yeah i'm glad that you brought them up because i have something to go yeah off and i want to hear more of what you thought of that show but uh also yeah there, oh, there's, there's so much the main vocalist i think his name is jordy has this totally singular voice and it's kind of anxious and this alien delivery. Oh, it's interesting. I, I always thought it was like kind of a strange croony kind of like, yeah, but it's kind of this and weird. <laughs> it's it's so strange. I love it. The band never spoke a word between yeah. songs. Yeah. They never even acknowledged the audience. It just seemed like they were locked in playing these hyper fast, wild and exciting songs at this breakneck pace. They honestly felt like aliens beamed in to play this music. They were so <laughs> otherworldly. Yeah, I remember you saying that. Yeah, this band is just absolutely thrilling live. And the drummer, I know Morgan Simpson, I need to call this guy out, is one of the the main reasons why this band is so yeah, amazing. It's crazy. His you, stamina, I you, don't exactly, understand You it. cannot take your eyes off this guy. He is one of the best live drivers I've ever seen in my entire life. I have no idea how he plays like that. I have no idea how he's that fast, that precise, that locked into the other band. Well, and like you right, said, stamina. And, and how the band is so locked into each other with oh all of their, because there's a lot of sort of syncopations that they do together, but very weird time signatures, and it's, it's very, very yeah, good. Yeah, it's nuts. After that show, I actually sought them out at the same festival and yeah. caught them again at Cheer Up Charlie's, my favorite venue uh, in the city. I also got to see them play again on their first U.S. tour. They played Bowery Ballroom back in July. Wait, so you saw them three times I this year? I saw them three times this year. Wow. I chose this out by Southwest because that was like the main discovery sure, sure, point. Yeah. Um, it was a wild show. They went on at like 10.45, 11 p.m. It was so late. I was so annoyed. And then they got on stage and I was like, oh, woke my you up. God, yeah. this is nuts. It was a longer set, way more improvisation and jams. Mm-hmm. There was this palpable electricity on stage. You're saying compared to tension. other shows of theirs that you've seen? Yeah, because at South by Southwest, there's sort of shorter shows, sure. like 20 to 30 also, minutes. Also, I guess, did they not know they were going on? 
that's that's a good point. And yeah, maybe they were that's just a good like, point. They just, just had to get on stage, yeah, 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 something like that. I pushed my friend Steve to come join me at that Bowery Ballroom show yep. without him really knowing any of the band's music, and he came away from that show saying it was one of the best shows he's ever seen in his entire life. That's amazing. So if that's not enough to say, like see this band yeah. live, they also released their debut album shortly after this year called Schlagenheim, uh, past July. It was already like nominated for the 2019 Mercury Prize. These oh, guys yeah. are children. I don't mean that in a demeaning way. They're so young and so talented. Um, the album is good. It's nowhere near as good as seeing them live. So mm-hmm. I really recommend uh, you see these guys. Black Midi. Do not miss it. All right. So next, let's talk about my number four favorite concert of 2019, Regina Spector at the Lunt Fontaine Theater on Broadway. Everybody, but sometimes I forget. So for the longest time, I had plans on June 26th to go to the Central Park Summer Stage to see the band Always, whose first album I got very into this year for some reason. Um, so I was all excited about that. And then all of a sudden, my old co-worker said that he he had known that, you know, that I knew who Regina Spector was and, and he was, you know, very big into classical music, but liked, you know, a couple more indie artists. So I think he was excited that, you know, we could connect on on Regina Spector. He had an extra ticket to go to this show on Broadway. And he had known that I was like looking, but tickets were kind of expensive. And this was like a residency she did, like a bunch right. of she, nights. There. I think it was like four or five nights on Broadway. Um and I don't know Regina Spector that well. I don't know, I don't think any of her albums like in full um, so again, I was trying to figure out like, do I want to spend the money? Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, he had this extra ticket and I was like, how can I not go to this? Cause you and I had even, I think, talked about going to it. Yeah. But anyway, so that was awesome. Thank you, Eric. Um, I went to this show instead of always, I'll see them at some point. Um, and it was amazing. It was breathtaking. Wow. It was wow. so, I'm so jealous. Perfect. Um, it was a spectacle. I mean, obviously that's what I, I think you would expect. No pun intended. <laughs> right uh from going to broadway but she played 29 songs wow spanning her entire discography and but in addition to just that i mean there was there were all these this lighting and backdrops it was and, truly like a broadway production in yes also in that you know there was a tap dancer that came on for a couple numbers oh, one what? one of them she kind of tapped with him <laughs> there was a song that she sang where these two dancers kind of came out and did a, a routine um Ben Folds came out Whoa. on stage. Yes, she, every night I think she had a special guest come out. I don't remember who the other ones were, but that was so exciting to me because there's one Ben Folds album I know very well. I know Ben Folds is an artist. I've been sort of trying to get you to appreciate. You have your own biases and whatnot. That's fine, but <laughs> many was, have tried. It was most very, have failed. It was very exciting to me that he came on. Also, because they have a song together called "You Don't Know Me" from one of his albums. I was expecting them to play that. But they didn't. They played uh, the song Love Is Here To Stay, this sort of jazzy Frank Sinatra number. Um, She also at one point, you know, uh, I think came out off the piano. And again, her band was kind of playing the music and she just sang Over the Rainbow. Or maybe she sang it a cappella. I don't remember. It was just very special that she had her own concert, like her at the piano, the band playing. But she also had all these moments that just felt very unique. Like, I don't know if she's ever going to do this again. It felt very one of a kind. And she was so 
adorable and grateful and excited to be on Broadway because she grew up. I mean, she she grew She's up for, Russian for nine years. Yeah, she was in Soviet Russia, and then she um, basically moved with her family to the um, the Bronx. Okay, so I'm sure she'd been going to Broadway shows. Like, yeah, her whole it's like life, a homecoming and it was, show. It was so exciting for her to actually have a show on Broadway. So did this concert? make you a fan for life like did you start listening to her albums or still kind of are on a high from the show itself and not really her recorded music yet yeah i would say more the latter it more made me go back to the sort of one-off songs of hers that i knew really well and i mean i say that but I would, maybe even half the songs or a little bit more i didn't know and i seriously loved almost every single awesome. one My and f- it made me want to get more into those yeah. songs and i checked some of those out after again i have strange listening habits at some point i'm going to go deep into regina maybe we both will um but that you know should say nothing about the show it, it was seriously uh, um amazing and yeah one of my friends sam i saw like the next day had been at that show and i was texting him frantically i was like i didn't know that he was there as well (laughs) we were just going back and forth about it it was so exciting yeah my friend spencer regina specter is like his favorite artist of all time and he pushed me to listen to her for a while we were actually trying to get tickets to the same uh series i'm very jealous that sounds amazing yeah it was incredible Okay, from one piano-based singer-songwriter to the next, my number four pick for my favorite concerts of 2019 is Sarah Bareilles in November at the Met in Philadelphia. So I imagine this might be a shock for maybe not you, but some of my friends, some of our listeners. Well, it was because, you know, I was talking to dad a couple weeks ago and, you know, I was telling him, you know, you and I were going to have this retrospective podcast and he's like, oh, I think he's going to put Sarah Bareilles on the live show. So I'm like, no. He told you? Well, it was (laughs) because I was like, I don't think he will because I remember he saw her and did not love the show. He liked some of it, and I didn't realize that you had seen her a second time, and yeah. this is the show I believe you're talking about. Yeah, so my my talk about shock is more about Sarah Bareilles as an artist herself. I see a lot of shows. A lot of them are good. Some are great, and very few of them are like unforgettable. Mm-hmm. I have to confess, I've never... I've always been kind of a more casual Sarah Bareilles fan. She's never been a favorite artist of mine. Sure. My friend Alex is obsessed with her, really introduced me in college. I definitely like what I heard, but I never fell in love with her albums or, or her, you know, never saw her live. Yeah. But I dug a bunch of songs. She kind of existed in the world of music to me, but mm-hmm. nothing more than that. Fast forward to 2015, Sarah Bareilles is commissioned to write a Broadway musical adaptation of the 2007 indie movie Waitress. Um, before the show opened, she actually released like a concept record of these songs and maybe controversial, controversial opinion for some Sarah fans, but I thought at the time it was her best album mm-hmm. by far. Just the songwriting was so good. I fell in love with the album. I saw the show on Broadway with Sarah Bareilles in the show as the protagonist, which was unbelievable. Didn't count as seeing her live, but she is an unbelievable singer and a great actress, apparently. So now flash forward again to 2019, present day. Uh, it's been almost four years since Waitress. was a huge, huge success. I think it just closed, unfortunately, but it was a great show. She's prepping a new studio album, and I somehow snagged tickets for this kind of very intimate one-off show at Bowery Ballroom for me and Alex. Um, 
a pretty intimate venue for her. Especially, she plays big stadiums. She plays Madison Square Garden. Yeah. Um, she was debuting all new material for an upcoming album. Seeing her live in such an intimate space was so special. Her voice and her you know vocal performance and presence was amazing. But the new songs were fine. They just were not great. They didn't wow me. I was kind of bummed out. Like it was such a cool thing, but it wasn't a great show, sadly. Yeah. And I was kind of worried for the new album. She releases the new album. And I can't stop listening to it. It's great. Every time I listen, it grows on me more and more and more. The vocals, the production, T-Bone Burnett uh, produced the album. Oh, that's right. Um, she announces a tour for the album, and I'm like, okay, I got to go back. So I am so glad that I did because, listen, Adam, not since I'm not since Counting Crows have I heard a band or artist so drastically change up their own musical compositions at the oh, concert. Interesting. It was nuts. It was stunning. She f- which and she did not do that no, at all at the show. No, before. they were very That's basic. So compos- it was. Cr- I couldn't believe it. It was like only a few months later. Yeah. She filled out her band to like a nine piece, multiple guitars, bass, keys, upright bass, uh, background vocalist, and a mini string section. Every one of the new songs, and she played like nine out of 12 or something, mm-hmm. every one of them not only sounded better than the, the first show I saw, but are, were way better than the album versions themselves. Wow. She would literally change the chords during the song. She would change her vocal melodies. She would add in uh, lyrics and melodies from her older songs into the new <sighs> songs. I love that. She would add more layers from the band she would change accents she would weave these songs in and out add these weird outros and codas it was crazy alex and i and, and michelle uh, the three of us went to the show we're just sitting there freaking out because every song you think you know these songs so well yeah you know some of her hits and all the new music and you're just like holy shit would every you one say of songs, would you say they all were elevated like they got better or they were just different and that was exciting elevated yeah everything about this was elevated i thought seeing her in a small venue yeah. would be better she works way better in, in a, a big, big one venue. interesting the, the production value was incredible the staging the lighting how many was she playing on piano was she playing on guitar was she just sort of the only a, a few on only a few on guitar and only mm-hmm. a few just singing she's mostly okay on she piano, is okay. but she does have especially on the new album she's got a, a few beautiful songs like yeah. miss simone and uh, say it honestly um yeah, I, I just couldn't believe it. I went into this show nervous. I, I went because I wanted to give it another shot because I really liked the album. I wanted to go with Alex again. Yeah. And I just couldn't believe it. It was it was insane. Her voice is incredible and rich and emotional. She has amazing control and variety like all great vocalists do. But also as an entertainer and as a personality, she was hilarious. That's awesome. She was. She also really dealt well with like hecklers and people shouting. It was just so there funny. Were, do you mean hecklers? Maybe hecklers not. Just people <laughs> shouting out tomato throwers <laughs> no, people no. shouting out requests or hey i got married to the song she's like that's great i'm here to play a show like I, she was very funny about yeah, it yeah. And very and very warm and, uh-huh. and just yeah so not only was she an amazing performer entertainer but clearly like what i want to highlight is how incredible of a music musician she is like yeah. I, I couldn't believe it i was really blown away um real quickly she played nine out of 12 of the new songs. She also did like this really cool suite from Waitress. She played four songs that I love, Soft Place to Land, You Matter to Me, Bad Idea, She Used to Be Mine. And for each of them, she brought a different member of her band to do the duets with her. It, oh. was, it was so cool. Very cool. She various, you know, had 
deep cuts and she had the hits you know yep. um love song gravity king of oh, anything gravity. brave gravity's incredible that's yeah. actually the closer Ooh, it was amazing nice um one quick aside is that alex a couple days later randomly bumped into sarah Bareilles yeah, i was wondering in, if you're gonna in, that in the cafe which is just incredible they she, had a, what, she tweeted about it or something yeah they had a great conversation <laughs> she tweeted she met a nice boy named alex that's was, awesome shout out to is, alex yeah shout out to alex thank you for introducing me to sarah Bareilles. what an, what an amazing show Okay, next we're going to talk about my number three favorite show or favorite shows of the year, seeing Idols in May at Brooklyn Steel and in October at Terminal 5, both in New York. Live. Everything you need to know about Idols and how much I love this band can be found in last year's <laughs> retrospective podcast. Go listen to that. Right. And since then, by the way, because right, that was Josh's number one album yes. of 2018, Spoiler. Joy as an Act of Resistance. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> um, album and, of the year, no question for after me. after that podcast, I got very into that album. Uh, Great album, it, yeah. for sure. Um, and I'm glad that you, that you brought this show up because it was always interesting to me as I was looking over my list of shows that I saw this year. I don't know what it was about that show like it was great maybe i was expecting it in my opinion to be more more or Mm. something it just never when i was looking down my list of like shows that really stood out to me as like oh my god i remember this and it was incredible that one didn't but i'm glad you're talking about it because they as a band are yeah i kind of know what you mean and that's why i added both shows the first was the first time i'd seen idols and the last was back in october was very recently and i just was like I was on another level, and okay. I, I kind of, kind of was like, "Was it this good before?" And I yeah, just kind of forgot. Kind of wish been a while. I, I saw that one, but yeah, I won't lie. I kick myself all the time for not seeing these guys before they kind of blew up. Yeah, so to speak. Obviously, you know, props to them. Incredible. I'm so proud of them. But a couple of years ago, they were playing very small venues in New York, like Rough Trade and even yeah. Music Hall Williamsburg. And with every concert, they now graduate to bigger and bigger venues. Again, great for them. Yep. But scary for me because I like to see these <laughs> bands in small shows. Um, so I was worried that my first Idols concert at Brooklyn Steel wouldn't have the same intimacy or impact that I would have you know, normally had seen in a smaller venue, but thank God I was wrong. There is nothing, for me at least, like screaming your fucking head off, losing your voice, losing your hearing, and rocking out to every single song that a band you love is playing on stage. Yeah. There's nothing like it. And I love pretty much every single Idols song, both albums. I love this fucking band. It's the most... Just the most blissfully cathartic moments I've had this year were both at idol shows. That's awesome. And I just I need moments like that to stay sane. Yes. I'm not a particularly <laughs> violent or angry or aggressive person, but there's sometimes just getting that catharsis out is so important to me. Idols somehow make these. And by the really, way, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Just for all those people out there, our father included, <laughs> who think that this type of like extremely loud, raucous, potentially screaming music maybe instigates violence and that kind of thing. I don't know if this is for everyone, but it also can act very much as a catharsis. Yes. Thank you for saying that. I'm glad you did. So yeah, I mean, idols make these 
seemingly intense, or not seemingly, are intense, angry, impassioned punk songs, but they make them feel so relatable yeah. and joyous. I yes. mean, it's in the album title, Joy as an Act of Resistance, right. as an Act of Resistance. Uh, Joe Talbot, the lead singer, he, he commands the room, and he preaches love and compassion and empathy and equality, but not in a way that feels too corny or preachy. Mm-hmm. It, it just works with his affect. I don't know, I don't know something about it. Maybe for some it was a little preachy for yeah, me. Yeah. I loved it. Um, like I said this in the last podcast retrospective, idols rallies against homophobia, toxic masculinity, xenophobia, classism, anti-immigration, all while playing this vein-popping, throat-ripping, <laughs> invigorating, life-affirming music yeah. screamed at the top of their lungs. I said it last year. I'll say it again. This music makes me feel alive. Mm-hmm. You need to see idols live. All right, and next, let's talk about my number three live show of 2019 and your number two live show, Joanna Newsom at the Teatro del Museo del Barrio. So cross the year and miles and through On a good day you can feel my love for you Will you leave? Where do you begin with Joanna Newsom? I don't know. Other than she, she's a goddess living among us. She is a witch <laughs> living among us. Witches do exist. Last retrospective, we talked about Johanna Warren. I might talk about another later in this podcast. Ooh. Maybe we'll talk. But she is, I've used this word before, an enchantress. Yes. She has been on the top of my list for so long. And I'm so glad. To see live. Yes. So we, glad I was able to see her. lucky to be alive on this on earth at the same time as joanna newsom i i really that sounds hyperbolic but yeah. it's it's unbelievable for those who don't really know her i don't even know how to describe her she's this art folk freak folk singer songwriter whose main instrument is the harp she yes. also plays the piano beautifully right. um she's put out some of the most sprawling inventive colorful and masterful albums of the last two decades absolutely speaking of i mean she only tours like twice a decade she takes long breaks in between and I'm okay with that because her her albums are are insane. And not even just that, and this might be silly to say, but she is one of the strongest sort of opponents of Spotify or having her music on Spotify. So what you just said about her touring so infrequently and her music not being so accessible on streaming sites makes her this very... Elusive. Yes, figure in music. And especially when her music is as unique and magical as it it is, it feels like, I don't don't know. That's a good point. You're just seeing this like apparition. to me that I recommend her to people all the time. And they're like, I can't listen to her. I'm like... I don't even know what to tell you. Like, oh. I'll send you the files yeah, if yeah, I need yeah, to. Right. <laughs> you need to listen to her. This time, I was saying she doesn't tour that often. This time, she wasn't actually promoting an album. She decided to go on a solo tour entitled The String Keys Incident Tour, which is kind of uh-huh. funny. Um, it was just her on stage solo with a harp and a piano. She was playing a smattering of music from her entire discography. It sounds like she was just trying to get back on the road and relearn her music after recently giving birth to her first child mm. with Andy Samberg, yes. which is his own thing. The only reason I kind of mentioned the Andy Samberg and the kind of goofy tour title is because what surprised and delighted me about these shows was how loose and how funny and down to earth she was as a performer. Well, so you're saying these shows. Is this because you saw her once before? I did before? see her once before on the Divers Tour. Um, before I get to that, like her music can be very 
we clearly love this. Yes. But it can be very dense and very sophisticated yes. and sprawling. I use that word Through before. Through composed. Great words. Like 11-minute opuses. Oh, her album Yeast has only five songs, and every song is 10 to 18 minutes long. Yeah. Like, these are... Lo- and then her follow-up, Have One On Me, is a triple disc. Like, oh, my God. These... It, she can be tough to get into surface level, but when yeah. you listen, I mean... As soon as she comes out with her fifth record, we are doing... A top five disco. Yes, yeah, because she be is so important for everyone to, to know. Her songwriting style and her lyrical prowess feels so otherworldly, anachronistic, some would say pretentious. I would not. That's interesting. Well, yeah, because I it's either. so inaccessible and kind of, you know, wood nymphy. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> anyway, what did not surprise me, I was saying what surprised me was sort of the, the her humor and her, her looseness on stage. Yeah. What did not surprise me was that she still got it. Watching her perform live, especially solo and so vulnerable up there, playing these complicated, sprawling songs with two hands on the yes. harp and the piano, with more notes that you can possibly imagine. Yes. With different rhythms. I know. I, I honestly, I was, we were in the presence of a musical genius. You were sitting there watching this person that you just cannot comprehend yeah. how they've written this music, how and they can remember this music. everyone is just like, what the fuck like is going said, on? Like you said, entranced. Yes. And Enchanted. it's awesome. I love being with other people who are into this music. And yeah, just like you were saying, we were in the presence of a genius. And at the same time, there were, you know, her songs are so complex and her finger picking patterns on the harp that she would mess up only like a couple times, but it was so endearing. It was nice. It was was like she's she's human and yet she is also otherworldly. The place where she was playing. Yeah, we got to talk about this. It looked like a childhood auditorium that like would be at like a middle school or an elementary school it had these depictions of fairy tales yeah, all fantasy around paintings. but it was perfect for her that's like exactly it was a theater made yes. for her to perform it. i'd never heard of it before i mean it's yeah. in this museum yeah and she also had this like kind of cool cloudy backdrop yes. it was just such a special night my biggest regret yep. was not seeing her every I single night agreed because set list wise you know i have this Me issue too. where i always look at the other nights I know. we got a great set list no question yes. but like she changed up her songs which is so much respect for her especially yeah. she's learning these sprawling songs i said sprawling like eight times but that's like the best <laughs> word for it but yeah but she's got so many to choose from and so many amazing ones and i also personally know have one on me the triple disc uh, record much more than the rest so of course i was looking for as many of those as possible but still she played a handful from every album yeah. only two from yeast which is actually my favorite mm-hmm. or at least it is now well two out of five yeah so exactly so. but those those songs are yeah. way longer so yeah the highlight for me no question was hearing only skin was like oh i don't know that one my by name god also monkey and bear from yeast in california in california i know gorgeous I know. divers yes is one of my favorites. baby birch good intentions bridges and, and balloons oh man she started off with anecdotes the first song off of divers, divers and she literally perfectly in sync kept switching back and forth that was piano crazy i couldn't harp. believe that it was like an amazing little one woman show kind of thing yeah i just had a huge smile on my face the whole time um yeah yeah i, I actually you know i forgot to say this my eye my contact fell out mid show because my eyes were so dry from not <laughs> blinking that is a true story that's I amazing believe you're just entranced by her fingers you yeah. can't even stop yeah it was an honor to behold. if you are lucky enough to have the opportunity to see joanna right. newsom you need you need to go see her all right next let's talk about my number two favorite concerts of the year wilco at radio city music hall and brooklyn steel in october
Another band that was, I think, even probably higher, maybe, maybe not, I don't know, Joanna Newsom, top of my list. I have been meaning to see them for years. Me too. I told you, I told you, you know, listeners of this podcast, <laughs> that this year I got even more into their discography. The, Wilco is a band that I knew A Ghost is Born. And, you know, then I got into the first two records, which are very not indicative of the sound that they sort of go into for the next right, 10 records, however many records they have. Um, and slowly, you know, over the last couple of years, I find like I got into the rest of their discography. This year was the big one. Um, and I think a lot of that also had to do with I knew that this concert was coming up and I sort of wanted, you know, to know all the material and... Oh my God. Wow. Was that a special weekend? Also, let me just say the Friday of that weekend, I saw Bon Iver again. This is after the Bon Iver at Red Rock show. I saw Bon Iver at Barclays Center and I'll talk about that show maybe when we talk about honorable mentions, but it was a crazy one, two, three punch weekend of amazing music, favorite artists. Uh, one show, we were sort of a little bit in the balcony, you know, Radio, Radio, City. Radio City. We saw 6,000-person venue. I mean, it's a pretty big place. And the next night, much closer, Brooklyn Steel, more intimate. And in total, they played 56 songs in those two nights, 38 different songs we got to see. I'm counting this as one long show because yeah, they were yeah, so yeah. close together. It was so exciting. I mean, it was like, wow, this band is amazing. Between Jeff Tweedy, Glenn Kochi, and Nels Klein, like fuck, they are inc- incredible. I some of the best musicians alive. Glenn impressed me the most yeah. out of anyone, especially Glenn Kochi is the drummer. We can talk a, b- a little bit about uh Ode to Joy, the newest Wilco album. Yeah. Um a lot of the songs on it are very sparse and very basic in terms of drums it's not very complicated yeah, i think but jeff tweedy was literally like yeah. he was talking to glenn he's like we all know that you can fucking shred yeah. when you need to like why don't we do a record where i don't i think there's one there's only one song on the record that has symbols and it's towards the very end everything else so is just sh- percussion <laughs> and very simple beats but yeah but 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 even in that, I'm just entranced by I'm just watching Glenn the whole show. Yeah. He's clearly got a percussion background because so much of what he plays, he's got two sticks in each hand. Yes. yes. He's got all that like his drum set is full of these percussion instruments that he only uses for one song. And it's such a thing that like almost everyone in the crowd probably would not care. But he's so he cares so much about the little details and the musicality of it all. He's like one of Already from from these shows, one of my favorite drummers. He he's amazing and so tasteful. This, these Wilco shows, no question, are my honorable mention of yeah. the year. One of my honorable mentions. One of my favorite musical moments of the entire year Tell was me. Glenn playing via Chicago. Oh yeah, because there is a section of that song where <laughs> I think half the audience shit their pants yeah. <laughs> because yes. it just is this beautiful acoustic um, kind of murder ballad mm-hmm. in uh, via Chicago, and then all of a sudden. Calling the 
lights start freaking out and Glenn goes fucking insane right, at on the a time drums. he's just shredding oh, and the band <laughs> is continuing to play the same rhythm yeah. and he is going out of time right it is on record insane. on record on uh, summer teeth that's happening but the way it's produced like the drums are kind of faded in the background but this it's like it's at the forefront and again Nels Klein impossible, I, impossible I, I saw oh god before we get to that, <laughs> I saw Nels Klein play with the Dave Harrington trio at oh, you Three's Brewing, which was awesome just to see this like guitar god up up and up in front. Um, but he is so also tasteful, experimental, and when he sh- when he wants to shred, he can fucking shred. They played, as Josh was saying, Impossible Germany both nights. The second night. At Broken Steel, last retrospective, I was talking about Weird Fishes at the Radiohead concert that I saw, that that was a like transcendent musical mm. experience, one of my favorite. This was right up there. Yeah. Uh, amazing. And they it was at Broken Steel, so they actually have a recording online. I went back oh, to it did. just to see it. And uh, I remember during- The solo was better the second day. Yes. During yeah. Nell's solo, Jeff was like, he was even oh, looking on- he was on so at, giddy. Like, <laughs> he was so excited watching his friend just wreck this song, which he, I'm sure he, they've played a yeah, million he's times. He's almost like, do you guys see this guy? <laughs> like, <laughs> you see my buddy up here? Yeah. It's just every aspect of it. I mean, that song is one of my favorite. That song- was my top played song of this year, according to Spotify. Yeah, I mean, that yeah, song yeah. is one of my favorite songs of all time. We have not Germany. It was like... spoken about Jeff Tweedy yet. And yeah. Jeff, I mean, so yes, also for me, Wilco has been one of my favorite bands for a long time, yeah. and I had not seen them live until this year, which is insane. But we actually got to see him play a solo show right, which down we in Princeton, we talked year. about last yes. year. And he was so funny and yeah. warm and entertaining and a great guitar player, songwriter. Of course, all these things translated just as well yes. to these bigger shows with the band he is just such, such a good front man a great front man and i just love him so very much. I love like him more dry and more. Yes. sarcastic oh, such a great sense of humor yes but also his voice i remember the first show i honestly i don't know which show i like better yeah. it's tough because yeah, that's, i'm just kind of calling them yeah one. because brooklyn steel was obviously way more intimate intimate and therefore was more special and yet the first show was the first time exactly. we saw them. hundred percent. Yes, I agree. I think I may have liked the set list better the first night. That's fair. Because hearing him do I'm Trying to Break Your yes. Heart and at Reservations. Least that's what you said. Oh my oh my God. At least what you said. Oh my God. Yeah, there was it's actually it was in I'm Trying to Break Your Heart where he's sort of doing his low voice the yeah. whole time and i'm kind of like i was worried for a second i was like is he not gonna hit that and, and disposable wrecks it at the end yeah he, when he does that higher yes. vote, uh, octave and yes at least that's what i thought you said holy shit what an amazing climax the, oh man both shows so many great songs my my biggest deterrent you probably already know yes the reason why it's not on my list is because i don't love the new album at for all. sure and, and they played so every, much almost, of it except except my favorite yes, song i know on ode to joy yeah. quiet amplifier i could not believe they didn't play that's also such a beautiful strangely song. they didn't play anything from whole love the whole yeah. love which is also a great record has some of i think their best songs but those little negative things aside um an amazing two-nighter of Wilco. They're probably one of the best live bands on the planet. Yes. I mean, they all are like up there. I think people, not just, you know, I've heard them in Radiohead. And Pearl Jam. People consider those as like the big, best, you know, 90s, 2000s rock bands still uh, wrecking it on stage. Yeah, and that's that's another thing. I mean, it might be just sort of 
obviously Jeff's biology or just his voice and whatnot, but like he sounds just as good. Like voice wise, after this many years, it, it to me has not changed at all. They 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 sound like they could be you know a few years after yeah, they started and, up. And he still looks great, but he does look older yes. and more kind of I yes. don't know casual. Yeah, he's and, like a dad. I mean, yes, I mean they call they call Wilco like a da- uh, dad <laughs> rock. I, I know I don't word. like that either, but he's very much a little more schlubby but you're these absolutely days. Absolutely right. Like, he still has the vocal chops he sounds yeah. just as fresh as he did i'm sure 20 years ago yeah. you know from videos and live uh, concerts i've heard so happy yeah wilco is just one of the best okay next we're going to talk about my number one favorite concert of 2019 seeing the stephen page trio at the tabernacle in mount Tabor, new jersey it wasn't long before i knew her i sang her songs while she dyed my hair This is making me so sad. It's going to make you sadder. Oh, no. Those who know me best, or rather the people who really know me, <laughs> know how much the band Bare Naked Ladies means to me, yeah. which for some might sound weird or funny or... I've continued to tout Bare Naked Ladies as the most underrated rock band in the history of music, mm-hmm. and I will take that with me to my grave, and I will try to spread the Bare Naked Ladies gospel wherever I go, whoever will listen. Luckily, I have a podcast now. Uh, <laughs> I hope to do a full artist deep dive, deep dive on Bare Naked Ladies in the hopefully near future. Yeah, definitely. But I am so happy to finally be able to talk about them in some capacity today. Stephen Page left Bare Naked Ladies a decade ago now, so 2009 is when mm-hmm. he left the band. He was one of the two founding members and one of the lead singer-songwriters of Bare Naked Ladies, the other one being Ed Robertson. Kind of like they had a Lennon-McCartney situation where yeah. they wrote and co-wrote like every song together and they would switch off lead vocals. Yeah, and it, uh, for the first, I don't know how many records, first five records or so, still ratio-wise, a lot more Stephen vocal songs than Ed vocal songs. Especially on Rune, which I think every song is Steve except for the two singles, which is right, kind of weird. Right, I know, it's crazy. But regardless, as much as I love Ed, and I continue to love Bare Naked Ladies, um, they put out four albums since Steve's departure yeah. to varying degrees of quality <laughs> and success. Every time yes. I see them live, I'm kind of nervous, and I'm like, oh, they still put out a great show. Yeah, yeah. Bare Naked Ladies is just simply not the same without Steve. Mm-hmm. Their chemistry, the back and forth, the strength in the difference and juxtaposition of their vocal styles, their songwriting styles, their stage presence, it was partially what made the band so great and so special in their collaborative nature. So without Steve, it's just not the same. This is the first time I'd seen a solo Steve Page show outside of a few years ago. Yes. We saw him as part of his Art of Time ensemble covering Sgt. Pepper's, is yeah. that what it was? Yeah. Which was cool, but... It was fine. It, it wasn't a ticket cl- to stove. <laughs> yes, I gave him my <laughs> ticket to sign, and he started singing. She's got a ticket to stub. It was one of the best moments of my life. <laughs> um, but yeah, this show came up. All of a sudden, he's doing this tour. Um, what I didn't realize was that this was an acoustic trio show. I think maybe it was Bill, but I just thought I was seeing him solo or maybe oh. with a big band. This was Steve on guitar and piano, another guitarist, and then a cello. Whoa! And it was. I wow incredible I clearly this is my number one show oh, there's man. so many reasons why yeah it was in this tiny little venue in this tiny little cute town in suburban New Jersey it was 
so special. And it's my number one because it reminded me how much I love Bare Naked Ladies. Sometimes yeah. I need to remind myself mm-hmm. of these things. It's been a while since I've really dove into their discography. Because Actually, then ra- again, we were on a car ride once and I played only Bare Naked Ladies. But <laughs> Ratio-wise, how many songs that he played were his solo stuff and how many were Bare Naked yes. Ladies? So I would say it was half and half. Wow. And this is another thing. It's like, he was such a generous performer. He played over two hours, oh, tons man. of music, so fucking funny. He is one of the funniest yeah. people yeah. alive. And he also like had great political messaging that didn't feel preachy. He mm-hmm. clearly is a smart guy, really invested in, I'm, I'm so in the country. I'm so pissed right now. I, I know. <laughs> I'm so he was dealing pissed. with also with hecklers. There was like a lot of people who were like clearly having a good time. That I missed and, like, it, by the way. Nothing yeah, about yeah, yeah. the political statements. <laughs> they were, he was dealing with hecklers and people shouting things out. He uh, just like Sarah Brellis yeah. with grace and humor. He also what was so special. He gave so much insight into what it was like being Stephen Page in 2019. Like he talked about. Hmm. Someone was asking like, "Oh, do you miss? You know, is it nice playing these?" little shows and he very honestly was kind of like no one no one really wants to go back to the smaller shows Mm. it was this very kind of bare and stark moment where he was like this is the state of my market right now like i can't play the big shows anymore so obviously i wish i could but like probably knows that half he has to play some band and he talked about that which was so interesting he literally again he's he's bantering for like 10-15 minutes between yeah. between songs and he's so amazing so I didn't care like usually I'm like come on get to the new song sure. I just want to hear him talk I'm sure forever. yeah um, he had this very funny segment where he was talking about the different kind of fans in the room mm-hmm. he was like some people here are just going to want to hear the Bare Naked Ladies hits some people are only going to want to hear the Bare Naked Ladies deep cuts that I probably don't remember some people <laughs> are are going to be scared that he's going to play solo music that's not that good and, oh, and others will be like oh maybe it'll be good or it'll probably be bad it won't yeah. be as good he just was so funny and so honest and it was just like this is such a great human on stage mm-hmm. set list wise okay we just got to talk about this yes he played some of the hits he played brian again I'm, i don't want to say it so casually he wrote some of like the yes, best yes. rock hits 90s. of the 90s brian wilson yeah, was amazing. fucking amazing the old apartment has never been my favorite song mm-hmm. sounded amazing it's all been done come on call and answer yeah oh I know. stunning he played a shit ton of deeper cuts like of ladies what a good boy Ooh. Blame it on me. Yeah, Jane. Oh, the wrong Jane, man was convicted. Was weird. Uh, that's an Jane was song. fucking st- I'm sure. stunning with the cello. Ugh. I think he played "When You Dream" from Stunt. Holy shit! I was wondering tonight if did is that. the night I fell asleep at the wheel from Maroon. Maroon. A really weird yeah. uh, closing song. He played "War on Drugs," which is <sighs> unbelievable. I I couldn't believe it. Did he I, play um, "Break Your Heart"? So. Sorry, did I give something away? Yeah. <laughs> okay. He closed the show by playing Break Your Heart, a cappella. A cappella. N- no one playing with him. Not he even walked, himself? Is that he what you walked mean? into the audience and was walking around the auditorium singing Break Your Heart, a cappella. And it was one of the best musical moments of my entire life. Break Your Heart is one of my favorite Bandicoot Lady songs, one yeah. of my favorite songs of all time. It was everything I needed in music at that moment. I couldn't, I can't tell you how special that was to hear him play Break Your Heart. How was the climax moment? <laughs> Incredible. There's a part of Break Your Heart where Steve just shreds his voice and he you're always scared. Is he going to hit it? Yeah. He hit it amazingly. My heart
not just all of this, but what also put this at number one was I was one of those fans who was scared. Ah, the solo stuff's not that good. Yeah. I never really got into the... The solo songs were fucking great. I was so nervous, and I couldn't believe how good these new songs were. Now, are these songs that you knew that he some, recorded? Some that I knew, but, but I... they sound better in that acoustic trio? Yes and no. So he has released like four solo albums now, and I only knew smatterings of uh, songs from each of them. Yeah. But whole, I just I just couldn't believe it. He surprised me so much. Not only was I hearing the hits from Bernie Ladies, deep cuts I wanted to hear, Break Your Heart was yeah, stunning. Yeah. Oh, man. Her solo songs were, were great. And just like in Bare Naked, True Bare Ladies fashion, there were improv jams. Really? He and the band would just start improving and making up songs on the spot, which is so impressive. It's one thing for jazz musicians to do this. Yeah. To, to be a rock band where you're trying to create composition and melody and chorus and verse and just on the spot make this shit up with two people was was thrilling. And it's clearly improv. Like there are you know, little mistakes here and there. They were tr- looking at each other trying to get there. Yeah, yeah. Another thing that you missed, Adam, oh, no. was a cover medley of. where they would they would go back and forth and do all sorts of things. And I got to hear Stephen Page sing a cover of Counting Crows, Mr. Jones, which what? I will never forget. It was so weird and so cool That's to hear crazy. these 90s bands sort of covering each other. It was one of many sort of in a medley. Was he doing it seriously or was he joking about it? <laughs> I remember, it, was, it wasn't like he was making fun of the song. Well, I remember seeing uh, uh, an interview a few years ago of Bare Naked Ladies, like right after Gordon came out. The and, first album. Yes. And Tyler, he had these dreads. The drummer. And he was just like, everyone keeps coming up to me and being like, are you Mr. Jones? Are you Mr. <laughs> Jones? Just like, I don't know. I don't know if there was something with like Bare Naked Ladies and Counting Crows. And that's awesome. Yeah. That is, it was wow. such, again, like the new stuff that I was scared to hear was great. The yeah. old Bare Naked Lady stuff was deep cuts, hits, all sounded amazing. The trio sounded beautiful. Hearing cello on all these songs yeah. on War on Drugs. Oh I'm my sure that lends itself so well to that. The improv made it exciting. His banter was incredible and, and funny and real. He was just so thrilling on stage. The improv jams, the covers. Let me County ask Crows. you. Let me oh, ask man. you. Would you say this show was better... I mean, better and more special, those are two different things, but better than any Bare Naked Ladies show you've seen? I can't answer that. That's that's hard to answer. <laughs> okay, because I would... I saw I one know, of the last tours with I Steve know. back in 06. I was not invited to this concert. Uh, this is me off. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't you. answer that. It was, very, it was very different. I still... This was better than the last few Bare Naked Ladies shows I've seen. Yeah, I'm sure. Without Steve, no yeah. question. But again, he, I was so, again, I don't mean this patronizing way, I was so proud of him. Yeah. He made it on his own a decade later, has great stuff on his own, is still clearly loving his own music that he wrote with Bare Naked Ladies. Mm-hmm. His live band is incredible. He is honest and grateful and humble and funny on stage. I cannot recommend Bare Naked Ladies enough. And now I get to even recommend Stephen Page's solo stuff. And lastly, let's finish up with my number one favorite concert of 2019, Bonnie Vare at the Red Rocks Amphitheater in Colorado. So let's just start off with a little backstory. I don't know how many months before this concert, 
I got an email. I was, you know, I signed up for the Bon Iver email list, got an email saying there are like a few shows and one of them happened to be at Red Rocks. I had never been to Red Rocks. Bucket list venue yes. forever and for Josh me. And Josh had not either. And it happened to be the day after Labor Day. So Josh and I talked about it. We were, and like, we were like, can we do this? Can we do this? We should do this. We did Let's it. do this. So we bought tickets to the show and then proceeded <laughs> to plan this three-day, three, four-day mini road trip flying into Denver, flying you know down through Colorado, into Utah, Hitting back into Colorado. Parks. Yes. And yeah, I mean, it's... We'll talk about the show, but it was all kind of grouped together. Just Absolutely. a very, very special four days. You know, even during those days, Josh had never listened to the Bonnie Vare album. So, yeah, talk, go ahead. Yeah. No, <laughs> I mean, we may talk about this later, but Maybe. I wanted to uh, experience the new Bonnie Vare album while we were driving to the Bonnie Vare concert. I had this romantic ideal in my head. Originally, we were going to fly all the way west and literally drive, 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 drive yeah. until we hit Red Rocks. It didn't work out that way, but still. I wanted to every day listen to the new Bon Iver album and end at the Bon Iver concert. Meanwhile, we also put together all sorts of fun mixes for yeah. each other. We also listened to the entirety of Bon Iver's discography amongst the most beautiful nature in the country. Yes. It was such like that. I'm so glad you brought that up and not just the show itself. It was such a special trip that we took together to do this sort of mini road trip through uh, middle part of the country into this stunning music venue that we've wanted to be at for yeah. so long. And it's like Bonnie Vera is obviously, and you Bonnie know, Vera this like art folk. So pairing that with these red rocks nature, and beautiful oh nature, it was so perfect. I mean, we were in like Rocky Mountain National Park listening to the self-titled album, which yeah. I think is like my favorite album of all time. And it was just like, oh God, it was perfect. The show itself. First of all, the opener was Sharon Van Etten, who we both she, love. Yes, she put out an album this year. Maybe maybe we can talk about that in the future. Um, so that was awesome to see her open up for Bonnie Bear. Even though I will say, I didn't like. We saw her have her own show at Beacon, Beacon Theater, Theater earlier in the year. I definitely like. I have since gotten into her second to last album, "Are We There," and her second album. Um, Tramp. Is that what I mean? Yep. <laughs> and uh, I think I prefer that sound of Sharon Bennett. Which is what I had said in yes, the past. And, I, ver and very much so, her live show now, she's kind of this grungy, just kind of like up there. Joan she's not really Jett kind she's of. Like barely playing any guitar or anything like that. And I don't know. I just kind of want to hear some of that old stuff. But anyway, she's still great. And, and like, I really do like the album from this year. Um, but. Super special to see her open up the whole show. But the show itself, I don't, I, this is just my own um, lack of knowledge, but I did not realize that Red Rocks had like some of the best sound of any music venue. I hadn't known that either. And weeks ago, my friend Tim had just seen a show there and he said, the sound mean, was incredible weeks prior to the weeks show prior to this show he said the sound was incredible and i was like really it's like outdoors i'm yeah. always scared of going to music festivals so the music's yeah, not that yeah, good yeah. i don't like outdoor shows right. I, I only thought that it was going to be like because i had seen pictures you know i always thought it was going to be this beautiful backdrop but the sound wouldn't live up to it yeah and yeah. holy shit yes. you are absolutely right i'm so glad you brought that up not just sound wise lighting wise it was such again this was <laughs> number wilco and boni Vare were the two biggest honorable yes. mentions for me this yeah. was such a special sh uh, show oh my god N not just the backdrop but the lighting on the rocks yeah. and then boni Vare is this 
I don't even know how to describe what their band is right now. They're like in these little instrument yes. pods yeah, exactly. on stage. Uh, yes. It's so cool and weird. Again, I talked about Black Midi being aliens, being right. to Earth. They kind of felt the same way. Yes, in a very different musical style. Yes. Um, but yeah, also their music is so dense. And the fact that something so dense could sound so good and crisp and you could hear every instrument every sample every whatever such a testament to the sound absolutely at red rocks the show itself um mind-blowing 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 they had such a good set list great set list great mix of songs from each album i actually was surprised to hear so much from the self-titled album same they played the first four songs which is self-titled what an amazing run of songs every song not just off that album every song of theirs even from their most recent album this year they change they elevate they change the tempo they 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 add these sort of solo sections these these elongated instrument it's just like it got to the point where you obviously knew what song it was but it would morph and you weren't sure if they were going into a new song at the end yeah. if it was still the last song I like I said I was expecting it to be just 22 million and I I but introducing the uh Bon Iver Bon Iver songs and even a few yeah, they played, they played Lump, Lump Summer Flume yeah yes uh but they also made it of the new Bon Iver era, yeah. which I really loved and appreciated. Because I think last time, once it was 22 a million, and then he would just come on stage to do Skinny Love, and I was like, okay. I know. It's, it's a fan service at that point. Yeah. But they really brought his old music into the new version of the band, which I feel like keeps evolving. What an incredible it does. band. All, one of yeah. the best bands. We witnessed some of the best music written right now and performed right now. You turned to me during his version of the song, Marion, yeah. and you were like, I never knew how much I loved this song until right now. That's exactly <laughs> and I right. had so many of those moments as well. Every, yeah, it was, it, I can't talk about it anymore. You have to see Bonnie Vare if you can see them at Red Rocks at some point in the future, but. Bon Iver is one of my favorite bands of all time. That was one of my favorite shows of all time. I will, was... never, I will never forget that show. Yeah. Wow. That is a lot of good music. So many great shows. Reliving this in the last hour or so was, was so yeah. incredible. Yeah. God, these were amazing. But I actually have so many more honorable mentions. I just want to briefly same, talk about Because I saw so many great shows. And it would I be know. a crime not to mention these bands who are doing such great things, especially if you're out there and hungry for live music. Again... This doesn't need to be a, uh, a PSA, but bands aren't making money from music and music sales anymore. They're really making it from touring. Yeah. And so seeing the artists you love live is really important, not just because it supports them, because because it creates this this relationship between you and the artist and the fan. And it's just so special and important. And mm-hmm. I just want to tell everybody to really go see the bands you love. And maybe some of these ones that we introduced to you, you can go see as well. Yeah. I want to uh, give an honorable mention. I said earlier, the Bon Iver show, no question. Wilco, no question. Um, a bunch of rock bands that played killer shows this year. Jeff Rosenstock, every year. I had that on my list too. Every year yes. blows me away. Did you, was it just at Bowery Ballroom? Bowery Ballroom in February. Yes. I remember. Literally, you know, we're recording this <sighs> mid-December. Yeah. I might see an acoustic show of him later, which, you know, maybe could have made my list. Well, he, uh, he's playing on Monday. At Transpecos. Yeah, he's yes. playing like oh, four, a four-show residency. I was thinking maybe I'd we'll see talk. it. Maybe I'll see you there. <laughs> but that's him acoustic, which I'm excited to see. But this is him and his live band. He was sort of capping off like years of nonstop touring, putting out his last album, Post. What a fucking amazing show. The floor was trembling yeah it was amazing it was they, amazing and i remember that actually just put out a live record oh, of that's those right, shows that's right i it was a series at bowery yet. maybe we'll hear each other yelling yeah great show pine grove 
Yeah. One of my favorite, our favorite bands Definitely. currently out right now, no question. Was this the uh, Rough the Trade? The Rough Trade yeah. show, I have to give props, not just to the band, the sound engineer at that Rough Trade <laughs> show, one of the best sounding shows I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. They sort of had a, uh, a new lineup um, and yep. they were so heavy and rocking. Yes. We don't, we've talked about Pine Grove in yes, the last yes, before, yes. but I always have to mention them. Same. La Butcherettes, mm-hmm. we saw it elsewhere and holy shit, what a crazy show. I it love was. that band, a Mexican freak punk band, yeah. amazing. Charlie Bliss at the Wonder Bar in Asbury uh, Park. Yep. I put that on my honorable mention list because we had seen them once for their Guppy tour, an album I love, and I was not really impressed right, with their live Right, and that was a music hall, which was weird. The sound was so... Not good. This might have been last year. We might have talked were, about this, but like, yeah, it was very... They were also kind of sloppy. I just yeah, was not that into the show yeah. and kind of bummed by it. When they started to come out with the new singles, I was worried too because they were kind of going in a more pop sound. Mm-hmm. They blew me away at the Wonder Bar. I, they were so confident. They sounded so good. I, I was just floored. That's also a great album, um, Young Enough by Charlie Bliss. I was just so happy to see them improving. They're a young band, and they're yeah. just getting better and better. Weatherbox. Weatherbox, mm. I saw with you back in May, and I yeah. saw again in November. One of my favorite bands of all time sort of have come back from the dead and yeah. are apparently releasing a new album soon. Amazing show. Both shows were incredible. Check out Weatherbox. The 1975. You saw the, 1975? One of the best bands on the planet right now. A British... I don't even know how to describe them. I drove down to DC. I got a flat tire on the way down. I thought I was going to miss the show and somehow got it fixed, got down there, picked up and It was crazy. Damn. Unbelievable show. One of the best lighting and light shows I've ever seen. Very cool. Off hardcore punk band. I saw mm-hmm. the Poisson Rouge. I know I'm listing a million, but just a no. couple more. Always have to give props to Johanna Warren, who yep. put on a weird but amazing house show up in New Jersey that we saw. Oh my God. Do you remember that? <laughs> I don't think I wrote that down on yeah. my list. I forgot about that. Yeah. I probably We don't need to go in detail, there. but she she often plays these unbelievably intimate house shows that are unforgettable. Yeah. Natalie Prass at the Bowery Ballroom. Unbelievable uh, album last year that I highlighted in my best songs. She put on a great show. Her, she's got like a funk band behind her. Holy shit! That was also on my yes because Natalie Press. I don't know either of her of her albums very well, but that show was very special. Yeah. She and her she and her band were so tight. Locked she in. was so also like a great personality yes, on stage. Absolutely. I love Natalie. That Press. was a very special show. Seeing Rosalia at Webster oh, Hall. I didn't know you she saw her. is one of the coolest artists out right now. She's like mixing flamenco with avant-garde pop. It was the weirdest, coolest show and also great pop music as well. Uh, John Mayer I got to see for the first time, which is just so special. I love him. And Hayden Thorpe, no question, yes. was on my honorable mentions. I just listed a lot, but Definitely. I needed to give mention to all those bands and artists. Some of my honorable mentions, I saw Caroline Rose, who I got into a lot this year. This I got on the boat? Yes, this, was, this uh. was on the Liberty Bell, which I spoke about last year, last uh, retrospective podcast. That's where I saw Parquet Courts as well. The same exact boat about a year later. Um, I got into her album from, I actually I think it was a 2017 album, maybe 2018. 2018, early. Loner. Yeah. Um, great album. Yeah, that's good. And her show was amazing. She started playing some of her new material, which also, sounded really good, and that oh, was very oh, that's exciting. exciting to hear. By the way, I discovered her at South by Southwest a couple of years ago. There we go. And Pine so Grove, cool. didn't you? No. Oh, never mind. <laughs> Forget I just said that. <laughs> um, I talked about Bonnie Ver seeing them at Barclays, you know, the day before our two-night um, stint uh, for Wilco. Um, again, our Red Rocks show was spectacular and super special they played some new songs which were very exciting to me like they played blood bank and their version of blood bank live at barclays 
was amazing. They get so heavy rocking at the end. It's like it's so different than yeah. the recorded version. Did they do Woods? They didn't do Woods. He sang uh, a version of um, R.E. Stacks oh. regarding Stacks, Good whatever song. you want to do, yeah, yeah, which yeah. was so special as well. Um, so just because this was like a crazy quadruple show josh and i saw sunflower bean open up for yeah. spoon open up for cage the elephant open up for beck at the pnc bank art center sunflower bean also i've been getting way into them this year amazing band yeah i saw them twice this year spoon, I, love them. I only know like a couple of their songs they were also great cage the elephant was so Blew us both away so crazy we so barely special knew any of their songs and yeah. we're kind of like what crazy production pyrotechnics the and he's just an amazing ama- front man. Amazing. And then there was Beck. <laughs> and jo- did we stay for the whole thing? No. <laughs> I, I don't I don't want to be too negative on our podcast. We usually want to talk about bands we love that yeah. we saw, songs we love. But Beck was one of the most disappointing live shows. Um, I mean, his new album. His new songs so many were albums, just not I don't know good. them that well. His new album is a lot all very over poppy. The, and, all over the place. It was all just o- not consistent. And his his banter was preachy and weird i just yeah it's like sometimes i like all over the place i like getting a little flavor of everything but it felt very disjointed i agree so anyway but that was a kind of a crazy show that we saw we also saw with our father john williams in the boston symphony orchestra i'm so glad you put that on that's such a great i mean john williams has written the soundtracks to everything (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, so many things from our childhood and that like touch so many people in so many ways. Harry Potter, Home Alone, Star Wars, e- 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 Indiana, Jones, Indiana Jones, Superman. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, countless. And so just to be able to see the man up there because he's getting... He was actually conducting. Yes, it wasn't just his music. Right, yes. Yeah. Uh, and he's, you know, he's, get, he's getting up there in age. So it was very special to see him play the music that he wrote that has touched so many and has meant so much to to me to you to to all of us that yeah. was very cool um death cab for cutie at yes. forest hill stadium yes. with and jenny we, lewis with opening. jenny lewis opening if the sound had been better that fucking sound guy yeah ruined that show because the set list was so good the band was so good so they rocked good. so hard an amazing set list of so many of their albums the sound, person, the, the sound person literally forgot to turn the guitar on because halfway through, maybe three quarters way through the show, all of a sudden the guitar's cur- turned on. You're like, oh my oh God, my what God. were we missing? Oh God, but so listen, um, we're talking about like moments at shows. Impossible Germany, uh, Weird yeah, Fishes, yeah, yeah. Break Your Heart. Transatlanticism, mm. the song at, yes. at uh, Forest Hill Stadium yeah. was was transcendental. Trans- yes. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was amazing. Jenny Lewis put on a great show to open too. That was yeah. a good show. And lastly, just shout out to our uncle, Uncle Gary, got Josh and myself tickets to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony, which was just so special to be able to see Stevie Nicks, The Cure, The Zombies, who you and I sort of got very excited about, Def Leppard, that was interesting. <laughs> we saw Roxy Music as well. Eh. But anyway. Janet Jackson. Right. Well, she didn't perform, but yes. Um, so that was just very cool to the see. The Cure. You, I mean, you. Qu- yeah, the, I glossed over it, cu- but yeah. I, mean, I was just telling <laughs> you that The Cure. I was getting heavy into this year. They were so good. I couldn't believe they sounded just like they did forty years ago. Yeah, sounded incredible. Robert Smith is amazing. Those song he played a mi- weird mix of hits and like super old deep cuts at yeah. the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It was amazing. I need to see The Cure ASAP. Yeah. What a great year for live music.
Thanks for listening to Top 5 Disco, part one of our 2019 year-end retrospective series. Now that we've ranked and discussed our favorite concerts of the year, tune in next episode where we'll each rank our top five favorite songs of 2019. But before that, we want to know your favorite concert experiences of 2019. What shows left the biggest impressions on you? What shows made you fall in love with the artist even more? And who are you most excited to see in 2020? Reach out and let us know. You can support us and help Top 5 Disco grow simply by subscribing to this podcast so you can get the new episodes as soon as they come out. And you can find and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Top 5 Disco for behind-the-scenes goodies and an easy way to connect. Also, rating and reviewing Top 5 Disco on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen is always appreciated. And don't forget to tell your music-loving friends and family all about us. Thank you so much again for listening. Tune in next time. And remember, it's really all disco. Joanna Newsom at the Teatro del Barrio del Museo. Can you not do it like that? Sorry. <laughs> you make it sound I also got it wrong. <laughs> okay, from one penis to the next. I can't, I can't say it. Penis to the next is what I was trying to say. From Regina to Sarah. <laughs> it's not worth it. I don't get it. Pianist. Oh. <laughs> I just can't say it without laughing. <laughs> it's fine. One, two, three. Tip of the tongue. La, 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 la.